0: Welcome back to Stephanie Contros-Harris' podcast called Millennial Mental Health. I'm here today with Iris and Stephanie, I'm going to have both of them introduce themselves.
1: Hello, I'm Iris. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are sisters who are also the owners of Locksmith Escape Games down in Sanford, Florida, and we are mothers. So we are very happy to be talking here. We recently also started a new adventure called Bump Avenue. Yes, um, Bump is meant to be a community for moms. Um, We realized that back home, we are originally from Honduras, um, there was a lack of just free information um, in an entertainment format like Instagram, that was in Spanish. So Steffi and I are bilingual. um, And we realized there's so much, there's been so much information available to us through social media, through just the internet in general. Uh, But then when we went and had these conversations with our friends back home, there was just still so much misinformation, so much taboo around motherhood, that we, you know, slowly started talking to her friends about the subject and helping them out in their process. But we realized um, it was something that needed a space in Spanish. So we recently started that venture. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: That sounds very exciting. Yeah. I definitely think that motherhood is in general, one of those things that people, want to judge or have questions about, and there's no clear answers. So being able to provide that, especially to people who are bilingual or Spanish speaking or more comfortable with that as their first language, would be really good resource for them. Yes. So I'm going to just start off by asking a few questions here. What does being a parent mean to you? And how do you think being a parent now is different than when your parents were parents of you as younger children.
1: I was talking uh, about this recently because there is a constant um, moment of back in my day uh, in the mom journey, right? And I'm sure that our moms had to deal with it as well, you know, mm-hmm. with whatever new information they received and their mothers had an opinion about the way they were doing things. So I don't think this is new. Uh, I just think it's our turn to live it. And luckily, we live in the era of information. There's just so much free information. It's just about making sure that you are accessing the right places, right? For me, in particular, it's been about informing myself. And then when it it is time to almost defend my choice, reminding myself that I did my homework, that I read the article, or that I uh, felt comfortable with my decision at the time. Uh, so when it gets questioned, it's more about reminding myself, hey, you are the mom though, and your decision is... Is the one that's going to count at the end. So I try to be very open minded. I try to be very um, kind whenever my nana or my grandma or my mom brings something up that I'm like, oh, that's been debunked for a while. A while (laughs) now. You know, but I understand that they're not coming from a place of harm. Mm -hmm. They simply want the best for me, the best for my baby that's what they experienced that's what they lived so they're bringing it up and it's just about um doing what you need to do as a mom to feel comfortable in your choices whatever that is yeah being a parent to me means a lot and what i never realized it would mean is that i am truly Gia's mom and that means that she goes first in everything that I do in my day and in my life now, because that is that is my role now as her mother. And especially during a pandemic, um, my husband has been able to to keep his full time job. It's a nine to five, which means that I have been the person that's her primary caregiver. And in many ways, it has also been a, a bit of a Sacrifice is a tough, tough word to use, but it truly is because even though I do have my own professional goals and ambitions and I have uh, an escape room and now Bump Avenue, um, GS still goes first. So it means a lot to me. Like parenthood means that that love that you have for your child will trump every other thing. And it is very different to be a parent now, in my opinion, than it was when my parents were parents. Because, as Iris was saying, it is we are in a time where information is available everywhere. But that is very positive. But it can also be negative because we now live in a stage in a in an era of social media, which means that everyone is posting. Uh, it means that you really, really have to consider your source. And remind yourself that you are not the same as others. You shouldn't compare yourself as other to others. And that is both a positive and a negative, just as it can build you. If you let it, it can also bring you down very quickly and very easily.
0: Yeah, I was thinking compared to when my mom, you know, had us as children, she maybe only got feedback from her direct immediate circle of people, She wasn't getting feedback from, you know, Lisa, who never met or, you know, Joey down the street, like she was getting information just from maybe her mom and maybe some of her friends. And so I think the amount of information, and I imagine judgment that comes um, with motherhood is po- potentially intensified with the amount of interaction we all have over social media. And through other means, like all this information on different websites.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah i I remember before I had kids, um, one of my friends, uh, she was late in her pregnancy, um, and she developed preeclampsia, and. Um, I believe she shared it on social media, because that's how we found out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was with another friend. And my friend was like, Oh, she must have not been taking care of her diet at all. She must have been having so much salt. And I was just like, isn't this a serious condition? Shouldn't Mm -hmm. we be worried about her and the baby rather than like, figuring out why she developed it? Like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what her history is. I don't know what causes it. But I do know that If she shared it, it's for a reason. She's probably nervous. Um, And then the same friend who went on a uh, talk about it developed preeclampsia during her pregnancy. (laughs) And she, you know, by then she had realized like, oh, it's not just about what a mom does. In her pregnancy, a lot of a lot of things are just out of your control during pregnancy. Your body does what your body's going to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things are positive, but a lot of them are negative as well. Um, you know, like your body will react. You're going through so, so much. Um, and it is so important for you to just give yourself a break. You know, like um, remember that honestly... I'm currently pregnant and there's not much I can do about this pregnancy. All I can do is take my prenatals, drink water, eat as best as I can. But honestly, I have absolutely no control over how this baby is developing. Um, So just the amount of criticism and just pressure we put on moms over something that is really 100% just out of your control. You just have to do what you can to keep your body going. Um, So yeah. And social media just amplifies that, right? Uh, Sometimes it is a place of comfort, of joy where you can share your journey. Uh, But of course, the more you open up, the more you share, the more you are um, allowing space for negative comments and negative um, feelings in your life. So it's It's an interesting era <laughs> that we live in.
0: I would say there'd probably have to be a lot of balance of keeping your mental health um, up in front and, in, and value it rather than just kind of listen to all the feedback and exposure that you might get on social media. And having a good, I don't know, hmm, perspective or mindset going into pregnancy is probably really important so you can kind of shield yourself from some of that. Criticism that you could potentially get, but then also enjoy all the highs that come with being a new mom or and being pregnant.
1: I think that is the key. You know, if you are going into pregnancy or just going into whatever stage in life in a healthy mental state, it's just going to make it that much better Mm -hmm. Um, because change is inevitable. and it is hard to deal with, like what I was saying. A lot of pregnancy is so out of control. Your hormones, you know, the chemicals in your brain, your body changes. Literally, my nose changes when I. pregnant. When I get pregnant, the shape of my nose changes. And that's so strange to look at myself in the mirror and know that the face I'm looking at is not the face that I'm used to. You know, so there are so many things that happen uh, during pregnancy that um, going into it with already a fragile mental state is definitely just... um, it's, it's going to make your journey tougher. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. And again, everything else that comes with it, right? Uh, like we said, criticism. But not only that, just the fatigue um, yeah. and just balancing everyday life. Because just because you're pregnant doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with your job anymore yeah. or with your partner or mm-hmm. with your family issues. Um, life doesn't just stop to allow you to be happily pregnant for 10 months. So yes, taking care of your mental state before, during and after pregnancy and just in general is key,
0: I think. Yeah. How would you say becoming a mom has impacted um, your mental health? Cause it sounds like we've talked a lot about what, how pregnancy impacts. I'm curious how being a mom impacts your mental health.
1: My mental health, um, I think it's important for me to share that I have considered myself a person that has had very healthy mental health up until I became a mother. Um, unfortunately, um, I, I became a mother on March 27th. And if you go back, March 27th, 2020, if you look back at where we were in life in March 27th, 2020, um, quarantine had started in the United States and pretty much around the world. Um, And so amplify everything that you go through when you become a mother, the baby blues, hormonal changes to everything that has been amplified because of the pandemic, being in isolation, um, my child not being able to meet her grandparents, my friends, I, I think two of my friends have met my daughter and I have had friends since fifth grade and longer and I that have not met her um family hasn't met her I haven't been able to travel with her to Honduras where where I am from and so all of that added up has been really a struggle on top of all of this I developed a, what I consider a hormonal imbalance when I was breastfeeding it was really really hard for me to find information on this but what I am now pretty certain that I had is a condition that is still being studied. I was never diagnosed because I didn't even realize what was happening when I was bit last visited my doctor. But when my milk production or when the letdown of milk, which is what it's known as, when your milk comes in, uh, started happening, there a hormonal um, change happens in your body. What I believe was happening with me was that this hormonal change was a little bit off, and as we know, when a hormonal change or unbalance occurs, your body reacts to it. So every single time I had milk let down, I got incredibly sad. Sad to the point where I literally saw the world with a little bit less color. And I say that Eeyore was nothing compared to how I felt. And it lasted less than five minutes. And then I went back to some type of normalcy. But it happened several types of days, several times a day, because milk letdown happened several times a day, and it slowly ate at me. On top of that, you deal with uh, feelings of in- inadequacy because you have this child in front of you, and you're tired, and you're frustrated at times, and you don't you don't have enough sleep, and you don't have enough food because it's just me and my husband. So all of these things really added up. And I got to a point with my mental health that I had never been on before. And it took so much conversations with my husband. It took so much of me looking inwards and realizing, first of all, that I was in a bad place. And second of all, a lot of like just realizing um, where I was and trying to slowly like get out of that hole. And take the steps, the necessary steps to get back my mental health and to continue to grow my relationship with my daughter who brought me so much joy. But I also knew that this change in my life had brought me so, so much um, uncertain times, uncertainty, lack of confidence, and the list could probably go on and on.
0: Yeah, sounds like it really impacted you in a way that you didn't expect, as being tied to also breastfeeding. Yes. Yeah, how would you say you like worked through that? It
1: was really hard. Um, the first thing I had to do was to realize that these feelings were real. At first, I thought, "What if this is just psychological?" But then I started really paying attention and realizing that every time I got sad, there was a correlation with when my milk came down. Then I started realizing, I remember this very, very um, specific day that it was the day that I realized what was happening. Um, I was sitting in my room. I was in bed by myself. Gia was probably napping. Um, So I'm sitting there and I just got so sad. And everything in the world and in my head was just gloom. Everything was just so sad. There was nothing positive about about the world. And I was looking out the window and it was the day that I remember thinking like, the world looks more yellow, just like, not like a happy yellow, but like a sepia tone yellow. And then I felt my milk come down and I realized this is what's causing it. And it was the first time that I realized that my sadness happened before the milk came down. So it made me realize this is not in my head. It's not a reaction that's happening um, psychologically because of the milk let down. It's something that's happen- happening to me physically. From there, it um, having like that correlation allowed me to to at least be more positive about everything else and realize like there's a cause and I just need to figure out this cause. Um, towards uh, about that I, to, I stopped breastfeeding and pumping um, at around the age where my daughter was five and a half months. I felt like I had done my absolute best. And I also had to have a tough conversation with myself to realize that I had done my absolute best and that there was no point in continuing to basically torture myself. And that my daughter would be a happier child if she had a happy mother. So it took all of those decisions for me, which were difficult decisions. But I had to do that. I also kept open conversations with my husband, who is an incredible support system. I had to realize that it was not postpartum depression. And um. I started taking more care of myself, being kinder to myself. And I did not attend therapy, but it was a very serious option in my life. And one that I still consider till this day, because I do think that what happened was not only um, serious, but it was also something that impacted me. And no matter where I'm at now, I am forever changed because of that experience. And it is something that I have to go through. Or that I have to deal with and learn about.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like it was a fairly complex decision too to to kind of take a different route, maybe one that you didn't plan on taking as far as uh, stopping breastfeeding at five and a half months.
1: Yeah, it was not what I what I thought where I thought I would go. Um, especially with COVID being around, I also had the pressure and this idea of what happens if. We get sick and my daughter gets sick. I knew that breastfeeding would be so beneficial to her. So I tried to do it for as long as I could hold on to. And after that, I just had to um, let it go. And like Iris said previously, you have to you have to stand behind the decisions that you made. And I, I educated myself on the topic. I spoke to her other sister, who's a nurse, um, as well. So having all these open conversations and hearing experiences was what really what helped me make the decision. Yeah, I think that is key. It is having those conversations because there are a lot of experiences out there available when the official studies fail you. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Stephanie's case, there there is still a lot of learning to do, mm-hmm. to be done in her particular experience. So she couldn't find a lot of articles or a lot of official information on it. Um, so she had to basically mm-hmm. go off her gut of um, her immediate circle. You know, she reached out, she, she thought about it and then she said, okay, well, one of my sisters is a nurse. Let me reach out to her. She might have insight on this um on the medical aspect of it right and then uh her husband myself so just doing that being able to reach out and and of course we were lucky to have that yeah. network and to feel like we could reach out you know we i feel like we're both been very fortunate we've mm-hmm. always um been surrounded by people who were willing to listen and who usually don't make us feel Judged and even through the judgment, we had very wonderful parents who um, made sure that they always um, fed uh, our health uh, a healthy self esteem. That was something that both my parents like actively worked on. Mm -hmm. They constantly made sure that we knew that we were beautiful, that we were smart, that we were enough, that we were capable. Mm -hmm. Um, So with all of that, these tough moments were survivable. So definitely, we're very fortunate that that yeah. was our case. Yeah.
0: Well, good. And those are things that you're going to want to pass down to your own children as well.
1: Yes, that's what we we hope to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Iris, have you had any specific um, situations that have arisen that have maybe different than you expected that maybe impacted your mental health?
1: Yes. Yeah, so. One thing that is again so important for pregnancy is managing your expectations. Um, I was so fortunate that I do have a lot of family that has had kids ahead of me, Um, so they were really good about sharing their experience and and telling me, you know, well, I struggled with breastfeeding for three months until I got it right, or um and things like that so i i feel like i had a good idea about how unpredictable pregnancy could be um so that really helped me but also my first kid um i had him while wow, the world was still normal no mm-hmm. pandemic so that made a huge difference for me the biggest hit uh mentally Um, happened in two different stages, at the very beginning of pregnancy and at the very beginning of the fourth trimester, um, which is the first three months after pregnancy. So those transition periods were hard on me. The very first one, um, before I found out I was pregnant, I got an insane burst of acne, like uncontrollable, nothing helped. And I've had acne my whole life, you know, I, I already had it under control. And then suddenly, um, this, this trauma that i had been dealing with since I was so young, came back with a vengeance, and I didn't have an answer for it. And I remember going on antibiotics, the very first day I took that pill, I thought, Oh, my God, what if I'm pregnant, that would explain it. And so Um, then I went and I found out I was pregnant like that very first day. And that helped just knowing that there was an answer, there was an explanation. Um, but then the physical changes started happening and, and that really threw me off the way my body was changing. I've always been very like lean and long and petite and all of a sudden, I had big breasts. I've never had big breasts. Um, All of a sudden, um, I had larger arms, and I've never had that. So so I didn't know how to dress this new body. Uh, Like I said, my nose changes shape. Um, Also, I usually have a very thin and refined face, and then in pregnancy, it becomes round. So looking at myself in the mirror and being this person that I don't recognize – at first that really took a toll on me because I just, I didn't know how to deal with that body. I didn't know what kind of clothes looked flattering in that body. I I just had to take a step back. And I remember uh, when things started to turn around was when I finally reached out and I told Stephanie about it um, and she was like, Oh yeah, you suddenly have my type of body (laughs) and then we went shopping and everything I picked out she was like put that back that that doesn't belong in your closet anymore um always had bigger breasts she's always had like a curvier fuller body and so she introduced me into all of these types of clothes that had never looked good on me but suddenly did now Mm -hmm. and I started to realize oh I just have to learn about this new body. Mm-hmm. I just uh, It's not a thing of um, just getting rid of it or waiting for it to go away. It's more like discovering its, its beauty and discovering the way to deal with it and, and, and love it. So that was the very first, I think like toll on my mental health was just that looking in that mirror and not knowing who that person was mm-hmm. Um, and then again, what saved me, what made it all better was reaching out, was speaking up and saying, this is what's bothering me. And then at the beginning of the fourth trimester, um, whenever I was with my son, I was very happy. Like I was aware though, that it was some sort of chemical happiness. I was like, my brain and my hormones do something when I am with this child that make me okay with everything like I was just um like the world was fine but the minute I set him down and then I walked away I was angry I was mostly angry at the fact that um my life wasn't mine anymore Mm -hmm. um just everybody would come they'd visit for like five minutes (laughs) if the baby was asleep they'd be like oh then we're gonna go to Starbucks have a cup of coffee and come back and maybe he'll be awake in an hour or two and we'll get to play with the baby then. And I couldn't do that. I had to stay home. I had to pump. I had to shower or rest or sleep or do all of these things to take care of my body, to take care of my um, recovery process. Mm -hmm. And everyone else got to move on with their lives. And I didn't get to move on with my life or I, I was moving on with my life, but not in the way that I wanted to, I guess. Um, So, just dealing again, and and it's the beginning of changes that get me. Uh, So, once the routine started to kick in, and and everybody did tell me it's going to take about a month, it's going to take about a month. And I remember thinking, how is this ever going to be better? Like, I would count the days, I'd be like, okay, three weeks. Four weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I counted the days, too. <laughs> yeah. I was told 40 days. and it, But it, it, it worked, at least in my case. After the 40 days, it did get better. Yeah, it did. Yeah. After the month, it kind of started. Because that's when you realize, like, wow, it's been a month and I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still alive. The baby's still alive. The world's still spinning. It's like, oh, my gosh. There might be a light at the end of this tunnel. <laughs> um, so, yes, I always describe motherhood as just the biggest highs of my life with the worst hangovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: no, know, there's a few different things that I kind of heard you really mention about how there's so much transition that happens from the moment that you become pregnant to the moment, probably even still now that you have, you know, a child and it's just going to continue to evolve and change as they grow. And you know, we as Adults went through all of those transitions as well, obviously as we grew, but it almost like in our twenties or so, life kind of like plateaus right there's not as many like transitions to anticipate, we kind of know what to expect, and then suddenly, women who become mothers, it's like, whoa, my life is now kind of being turned upside down, and now it's fast tracking transition after transition after transition. Would you agree with that? Yes one
1: hundred percent and I feel like I try to be very mindful of that with my son because I think of him as well. What are the transitions he's going through, you know? When if I'm having a rough time, I think, well, he's only been in this world for a year and like 10 months. So, a lot of things Must be so strange and must be so (laughs) difficult for him to understand or cope with. So, I do try to be very mindful about that because if it, if I'm having a hard time, and you know, I've had decades of at least learning how to Google stuff so I can help myself (laughs) better understand my situations, um, being a boy that doesn't. Really know how to speak yet, yeah, not being able to fully communicate what he's thinking, what he's feeling, um yeah, it's definitely made me keep that in mind, <laughs> yeah, or why things aren't happening to them, um, something as simple as you are having a rough day because you decided to wake up last night and stay awake for two hours. I am also having a rough day, but she doesn't understand that, so she is grumpy and fuzzy. Because she is evolving. And for whatever reason, she had to wake up the night before. And today, she's suddenly eating so much more because she's growing again and growing, going through a growth spurt. So it it is about being mindful with them and just trying to figure out these transitions with them as well. Because I don't think – I don't remember when my teeth came out when I was a baby. Yeah. I don't remember the teething process. But it's about – Also like understanding those transitions that we are going through and trying to understand to the best of our abilities, how they must be feeling through the transitions that they are, they are facing as well.
0: Yeah. Another thing I think I'm really hearing is like reaching out and asking for help is super valuable. You know, I know there's a saying that talks about how something about a tribe of people like raise a child and, you know, asking for help. I know a lot of people in my therapy practice have a really t- hard time asking for help. So it sounds like motherhood kind of like pushes you into this place where like the only thing you can do is ask for help in order to survive and be resilient through this like new experience.
1: Yes, the phrase is, it takes a village to, t- to raise a child. The reason I know it is because I have never thought that A statement is truer than that one. I didn't think I'd be the person that is like, yeah, a thousand percent. It takes a village to raise a child, you know, just like the old lady in the background with her little finger being like, yes, 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 you have to hear this. But it really, truly does. And it was something that I didn't understand or didn't don't even know if I believed in until I had Gia. And having her in the middle of the pandemic, allowed me to understand and really see what it is like to not have a village with you. So not having that available, and only even only having it um, through messages or phone calls, it really taught me how much of it is true. And I, it's interesting, because I didn't have experiences where I had the moms and the aunts and the grandmas with me for those first months. And I hear the stories of the other mothers in my family, that it's like, oh yeah, I remember like my aunt or the grandma saying, if you do this, your milk is gonna go bad. I never had that. I never had it. And it's it's so interesting to see like, maybe I had such a hard trouble with breastfeeding because I didn't have someone to help me make food or someone to give me tips and tricks. So yeah, it really does take a village and it's just your life is so much better when you are willing to, to reach out for help. The hardest part about it is that to, in order to be able to ask for help, you have to recognize that you need the help and therefore you have to be vulnerable. And that vulnerability is really hard because you're putting yourself out there saying, I don't know everything, or sometimes I don't know what I'm doing at all. Have you had this experience happen? And what is your your takeaway from it? Or how did you deal with it? And the scariest part about it is that when you do that, you don't know the response that you're going to get back is going to be judgment, or it's going to be something that steers you in the wrong direction, but really you just, without it, there is so much knowledge that you could have that will just be lost because you didn't put yourself out there to learn things. And so much of my experience in motherhood has come from reaching out and learning like, oh, I can play this with her, or I can show her this, or I can help simulate her in this way. It's things that, I wouldn't know, but other people have learned in the past and that they can pass on to me and enrich my life and therefore my baby's life.
0: Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of things today, but I do want to ask one final question. Hopefully it won't be too heavy of a one, but like, how do you guys experience mom guilt and and if do you experience it, I, I've heard so again so many clients come to me and they're like, "Oh, such a difficult thing but being a mom. I have so much guilt for having a career or wanting to spend time with my friends or really wanting to do anything except for spending time with their kids." So, how do the two of you manage that? Do you experience it? Mm-hmm.
1: That is one thing um, that I I was surprised by, which was mom guilt, because. Historically, I've never been a person to struggle with guilt. Um, I've always surrounded myself with people who are very strong, independent individuals um, who I know would be okay with or without me. And so my value as a human being was never what other people thought of me. And so I, I had very healthy relationships. Um, so guilt. You know, I I didn't surround myself with people that made me feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, So mom guilt was something that I heard about. And I it was hard for me to understand or relate to because it just it wasn't something I had dealt with in my life previously. And then I became a mom. And the way I experienced mom guilt was more um, because I had my baby at a normal time. I had a Nana. which was actually the Nana that raised Steffi and I um, came over and helped mm-hmm. us with our babies. And she helped me with, well, with mine because she was able to fly at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then my mom was here for a couple of weeks and my mother-in-law eventually came. So I did have a lot of people saying, here, I'll watch the baby. Take a nap, get some rest, mm-hmm. take a shower, whatever you need to do. And that was, that moment of having someone else take over the responsibility that was supposed to be mine was hard. Mm-hmm. And I did not know why. Like, I, I knew that there was no reason for me to feel like, like I was not doing something right by accepting their help. Um my brain said, Iris, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. They're here to visit the baby. They're here to spend time with the baby. They are going to keep an eye on him. And you get to nap. You, they're not here for you to be a host. You're not mm-hmm. here you know, to weigh on them. Um, but for some reason, even though my reasonable brain was saying, this feeling doesn't make sense. The feelings was still there, you know? Mm And, and so taking a nap was, borderline impossible for me you know mm-hmm. I I would go into bed I would lay down I would close my eyes but I couldn't sleep I couldn't really rest even though I had the village taking care of the baby just in case um so that's how I experienced mom guilt and it was definitely strange because I've never been a person that is shy about being like oh you want to do my work for me and I get a time off yeah bye thanks um So it was definitely strange to experience that when it hadn't been historically part of my personality.
0: Yeah. Interesting. How about you, Stephanie?
1: For me, mom guilt is still a thing that I, that I struggle with. Um, I am a people pleaser by the book. Everything that you could probably find under the definition of people pleaser, I am probably that person. Um, so I also like Iris feel like oh well this is my responsibility I should be doing it but I I struggle with having to balance the feeling of yeah I should be awake because she's awake but I'm also exhausted why doesn't someone that has slept for a full night's rest watch her for a little bit so it's 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 really about telling myself like it's okay you can do this in Go to the store, go take a nap. And what I've realized in many ways is that I experience mom guilt even with my husband, who is an incredible father and is a very hands on father and loves his daughter, loves to be with his daughter. And a lot of times, what I'm doing is a disservice to their relationship by having all this mom guilt and being like, no, 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 I have to hover, I have to be around. I am taking away from his desire to also be with his daughter and bond with his daughter, because a lot of times you learn what the baby needs when they're crying and they're trying to communicate with you. Um, So it has been a real thing that I still struggle with. Um, And sometimes like my husband will tell me like, why don't you go get a massage? And he kind of just kicks me out the door because he's like, you have to take care of yourself. That's a good and then, question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, he's great. Um, but so it has taken me the time to just be like, you need to calm down and realize like the mom guilt really is in your head. It's a very, very real thing that I think happens to every mom. And that just like he tells me, he's like, you need to be kinder with yourself and just see everything that you are doing for what you're doing. So I just try to do that, even though I make it sound like I am succeeding at it (laughs) right now. But it's like, it's really hard. And it, it is something that exists, something that most moms face. And just if you're not a mom and you see one, just be kind to them because They have probably been hard on themselves for something lately.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good like takeaway message about motherhood to try not to judge other people and how they're being a mother or, you know, judge the way that they're raising their kid or interacting with their kid. I'm sure there's plenty of people who just automatically do that because judgment's such a huge part, I feel like, of our society. But I think we're all a little bit more mindful and kind to one another, like. I don't know. I honestly think it would make being a mom or really being a human better if everyone practiced that.
1: Yeah, I agree. If you're gonna practice it, um, practice it with yourself first. You mm-hmm. know, it's you're with yourself 24 seven. I love it when people say, "Why do you talk to yourself differently than you would your sister, your friend?" Mm-hmm. Um, so it's true. You know, if you want to encourage your friends to stay away from mom guilt or whatever it is that they're struggling with, um, start by practicing to being kind and understanding with yourself. Um, and then it'll just naturally seep into your relationships.
0: Yeah. Self-empathy and self-compassion go a long way. Yes, we do. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time. And I enjoyed speaking with you today about being a mom and being a millennial mom. And I hope to see great things with this new business venture that you guys um, are doing.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. This was so much fun. Yes. Thank you for having us. This was a blast. It was really good to sit here for a while and just think about these things. It's always good to take a moment Mm -hmm. to breathe it all in and Think about where we're at, where we've been, and where we're going. So thank you for giving us this space and time, Stephanie.
0: Of course. All right. Take care. You do too. Bye.